0: Good morning, First Church family. This is Pastor Joel Buckland. We're so glad that you have decided to join us for worship this morning. Uh, we're going to get our service started with a prelude. Thank you, Sharon. Once again, we welcome you to our worship service this morning here at First Church of New Knoxville couple uh, announcements I want to highlight for you this morning. As I've been sharing during this entire uh, time, we've been not able to meet in person. You can find our bulletin on our church website, firstchurchnk.org. If you'd like to follow along with our order of service, including the, the lyrics for the songs that we'll be singing together in worship, you can find the bulletin there as well as some other announcements and other information. In your bulletin today, there is information about giving. I encourage you uh, as uh, as we continue to worship separately uh, but together in spirit, to continue to give towards the ministry of First Church, uh, the offering today does go to support the general fund here at, at First Church. This morning at 10 o'clock, another one of our Sunday School videos was posted on our on the NK uh, Parents uh, Sunday School Parents Facebook page. So I encourage you to check that out. Um, if you got a, a Young children at home, I encourage you to continue to follow along. We're not able to meet in Sunday school, but those resources are a great way to stay connected and and continue to teach your children about the Lord during this time. One other item this week is uh, the National Day of Prayer on May 7th. That is Thursday. I encourage you, today we're going to be talking about prayer during our sermon. And so I want to encourage you to participate in the National Day of Prayer. Take some time on Thursday. Uh, take a moment. Take a take a half an hour. Whatever you have, are able to do, I encourage you to lift up our nation, our communities, our churches, our schools in prayer together. Uh, there is some information in your bulletin. Again, if you are able to pull that up online, I encourage you to take a look at that. And there is a link to the National Day of Prayer website, nationaldayofprayer.org. I encourage you to to take some time this week, um, Thursday, to pray with us. At this time, I want to invite Pastor Tory forward for our call to worship. Our
1: call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 104, verses 1 through 4 and 31 through 35. Praise the Lord, my soul. The Lord, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the cloud his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes wind his messengers, flames of fire his servants. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, he, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the, set, from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Our, pr- our first praise song is How Great is Our God. And you can find the lyrics pro- uh, printed in your bulletin. Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: god is certainly great this time we're glad to have mrs lammers back with us for children's chat i know uh when you're here a couple weeks ago i said it and it's still true uh you know our kids miss you and we're glad to have you here to share children's chat with us this morning good
2: morning everyone okay so some of you can see me on facebook and others of you can't but i need you to participate with me this morning okay So I'm going to trust that you're going to do what we're doing here. Answer my questions and do what I'm doing, okay? So I have a question. Who here likes to talk on the phone? We've been doing a lot of talking on the phone or on FaceTime, haven't we? Because we can't get together. What about um, have any of you used Zoom to talk to your teachers? Yeah? That's fun. That's fun. What do you talk about? What do you talk about? How's the weather? What you doing? Yeah, things like that. All right. Well, we enjoy talking with people, don't we? We sure do. And we make sure that when we call others, we call them whenever we want to. And we also make sure people can reach us. Okay? So, why can't we talk to God like that? Huh? Why can't we talk to God like that? Sometimes we get busy. We can't see him. So how do we know that he's here? We don't know. So I have some things for you to think about. I have four things. Why is it important to talk to God? One, God wants us to know him. Two, he really does answer our prayers. Three, he loves us through prayer. And four, we love God through prayer. So today we're talking all about prayer. And so I have with me here an acrostic on the word talk, okay? So T is for take time. Take time to pray. Find a time every day um, when you can talk to God. doesn't have to be a prayer. It can just be, you know, a conversation like you're talking to your best friend. A is for ah, Quiet. Maybe your quiet time is before you go to bed. Maybe your quiet time is when you're waking up in the morning. Maybe your quiet time is in the shower or brushing your teeth. There's all kinds of time that you can find to be quiet and have a little conversation with God. L is from learn from God's word. We want to learn from God's word. We have to read the Bible. We have to spend time listening to stories and watching videos about about God okay keep a prayer plan you can draw pictures in a notebook or on paper about whatever it is you're thinking about maybe today you want to draw a picture about things that you're thankful for or things that you've been doing maybe you want to write a letter to somebody who you miss okay now sometimes we need some help though whenever we want to prayer to pray and so we have a five finger prayer because we always have our hands with us right so, in our five finger prayer, it tells us that on our thumb we want to pray for our family. Those are the people closest to us, and then our pointer finger. Those are the people that um, help us out, teachers and doctors. They give us direction, so we need to pray for them, especially our teachers, because we really miss our students. We want to pray that the our middle finger is for our leaders. Okay. Um, The president and the governor and those in charge who are making tough decisions. We need to pray for them and for our superintendent and principals because they're they're facing some tough decisions. Now, our ring finger, that's our weakest finger. And so we're going to remember to pray for the sick people, people who are having a tough time of it right now. And then our pinky finger, that's us. We need to pray for ourselves because God knows what we need and he likes it whenever we talk to him. So as we go about this week, and as we think about Thursday being the national day of prayer, we want to remember to pray. So that's my challenge for you guys this week is to remember to pray. So let's do that real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for these children. Thank you that even though they're not here in person, I know that that they They love you and they want to be with you. Guide them, keep them safe, keep them healthy. And thank you for this gorgeous day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, Maria. So we go to the Lord, continue to go to the Lord in prayer together this morning. I encourage you to keep the the families of, of the following individuals in your prayers. Those lost in our service this week in Colorado, Staff Sergeant Virgil Thorpe, 28, from Canton, Massachusetts. And in California, Private First Class Tyrell Audane, 19, from Orange, New York. In addition, we ask you to keep the families of, of those that have lost loved ones due to this COVID-19 pandemic in your prayers as well. As of this morning, globally, we have lost 243,669 individuals. And right here in the United States, the number is 66,369. Let's pray for God's peace and comfort to be with all those who have lost loved ones recently. Father God, we come to you now this morning knowing, uh, Lord, that you are here. You hear us. Lord, that that your spirit is present, not just here in this place in the sanctuary, but with each person, each believer, Lord, each each individual that is turning their hearts and their minds to you, you are, are meeting them right where they are, and we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is present with your people. Lord, that it's especially important for us to remember in times of need, that though we are separate, though, Lord, we may feel like we are alone and that no one else understands or can sympathize with us, Lord, we know from your word that you understand, that you are compassionate towards your people and that we can rely on you because, Lord, you know what our needs are even before we do. Lord Jesus, as you taught your disciples about prayer, you said do not be like those who just babble on because they think they're going to be heard for their many words, but instead don't be like them because your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. What joy, what hope we have that even when we aren't able to necessarily express what we, what's going on in our heart, what's going on in our mind, though we can't, Lord, always put into words what exactly we think we need, we know that you are a good and gracious Father who knows us and loves us. And even if we aren't aware, Lord, you are. Even if we aren't sure what we need, you know exactly what it is we need. And so we entrust ourselves completely and fully to you. This morning we do pray uh, Lord um, for our community, for our nation's Lord, especially for our state here in Ohio, as we begin to open up here a little bit more over the next few weeks as, as people are are able to get back to work, we do pray that that transition goes smoothly Lord we do pray for health and safety for all those that will be returning to work here in the next few weeks we pray um, also with uh, our small business owners and restaurant owners and those that have been most affected by this shutdown, lord we pray that that they 'd be able to get things back and up and running here again soon, um, and we pray, Lord, that we would be able to balance both the need to get back to work uh, with our with our own um, public health concerns Lord. we pray, Lord, that as we take these next steps forward, that you would keep us safe and that you would lord uh, continue to help uh, suppress the spread of this COVID-19 pandemic. Lord, we know that you are able, we know that you are good, and so we entrust ourselves to you and pray in the name of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you to sing with us our next song, which is a reminder of our need for the Lord. It's, I need thee every hour. Our scripture reading today is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Again, I encourage you, if you have a Bible available or if you have an app on your phone, you can access God's Word. I encourage you to follow along with me as I read their scripture passage for today. And I, as, I, as we continue to examine God's Word together throughout the sermon, I encourage you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. Again, that's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Lord God, we come to you now with, with open hearts and open minds as we approach your word together. I pray, Spirit, that you would guide us. Uh, Lord, teach us about you here this morning, especially, Lord, as it applies to, to prayer and, and our relationship with you. Lord God, I pray that you would soften the hearts of all those, Lord, who hear, uh, both my own and, and Lord, those that are listening on, on the radio through Facebook Live and that you would guide our hearts and our thoughts. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Among those in, uh, in the court of Alexander the Great was a, a philosopher. You had, he was quite well known for his ability, for his, his advice, his counsel, uh, but he was in reality quite poor, had very little money of his own. Once he asked Alexander for financial help and was told to draw whatever he needed from the imperial treasury. But when the man requested a a large sum of money, which would today equal roughly $50,000 or so, he was refused. The treasurer who was in charge of the king's treasury needed to verify that such a large sum of money was authorized. And so the treasurer went to Alexander the Great, the ruler of the entire empire, and he replied, pay the money at once. The philosopher has done me a singular honor by the largeness of his request. He shows that he has understood both my wealth and my generosity. Today we're going to be talking about prayer. And I think that oftentimes we have the wrong attitude when it comes to prayer. We focus very much on ourselves, right? How often we pray, how long we should pray, the kind of words we use. Have you ever noticed how when our prayers seem ineffective, right? When we perceive that that they're just falling short, we we blame ourselves for our shortcomings, right? We say things like, my faith wasn't big enough. I didn't pray enough, or maybe I didn't use the right words, right? The problem with that mindset isn't that Excuse me, the problem with the mindset is that we have focused too much on us and our ability rather than God and His generosity. Now it's not to say a, a, a plan for prayer is a bad thing, certainly not. Jesus taught His disciples how they should pray. We see in scripture over and over again about examples of, of a good, godly, faithful prayers. But the problem here that I want to address for us today is more about where our focus lies is it on ourselves and our ability or is it on god and his generosity because the power of prayer is first and foremost grounded in the person and work in the excuse me the person and work of jesus christ and the character of god not our ability to convince god to do something for us in luke chapter 11 verses 9 through 13 jesus said this i say to you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be opened to you For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Notice here Jesus again doesn 't neglect the responsibility that that we have in coming to him in prayer right He says that we should we should ask we should seek, we should knock because it 's in the seeking it 's in the it 's in the prayer that we find what we need but the the answer to the prayer doesn 't depend on how much we seek or how much we knock or how 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 hard we look. The answer is and always has been not in our own ability but in the generosity and the love. That God has for his children. See, there certainly is power in prayer, but it's not in us, it's in him. One more historical reference here for you. Uh, Mary, the Queen of Scotland, once said about John Knox, who was the, the founder of, of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland, he said, or excuse me, she said, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of ten thousand men. Right? There's, there's certainly power in prayer and, and we should not neglect that as God's people, but the power resides in Christ. The power resides in who He is and what He's done for us, not in our ability to, uh, to earn it or our ability to convince God that we need something. Right? God is a gracious and loving Father and, and He desires that we come to Him and depend on Him in prayer. But the power of prayer, our ability to pray, is not based on us, it's based on Christ. And that's why we're turning our attention this morning to Hebrews chapter four, verses fourteen through sixteen. This passage talks about how Jesus is our great high priest, the one who's ascended into heaven, Jesus who, who sits at the right hand of God. It's by his authority and by his, in his name that we can come to God in prayer. This passage describes Jesus as our high priest, and, and it's actually a pretty common theme throughout the entire book of, of Hebrews. The author continues to describe Jesus as this high priest, and, and there's a reason for that. There's, the high priest is a very important figure in, in the temple, in the Old Testament theology. right? The high priest was the one who, who went before God on behalf of the people, and that was, that was true especially on the Day of Atonement. The one day of the year when when the high priest would go and and enter the Holy of Holies and and offer sacrifices, and in doing so, he symbolically laid the sins of the people on the sacrifices. And the blood of that sacrifice then covered over the sins of God's people. Once a year, the, the high priest, he'd actually offer a sacrifice first for himself, and then he would offer a sacrifice for all of God's people. That's what the Day of Atonement was about. That was the special function of the high priest to to go before God and to to uh, represent the people to God. And now Jesus Himself is our great high priest. He he now fulfills the role completely for us. Again, and we're going to turn over to Hebrews chapter nine, verses six through fourteen. The author of Hebrews has just talked about worship in the earthly tabernacle, about the the regulations and the the different things that were set up in the temple to aid God's people in worship. And then he says this in verse 6, When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. And here he's talking about the Day of Atonement. He says, But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, The people had committed an ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. There were only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. But when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption." What's the author of Hebrews trying to teach us here? He's, he's showing us that the Old Testament role of the high priest and the Old Testament sacrifices were all meant to point us towards the greater reality that Jesus now fulfills, that he is our high priest. The sacrifices of, of, blood, of, of goats and calves, right? They were just meant to point us to the one true sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It's his blood shed for us. It's his sacrifice once for all that finally obtains redemption for us. That's why Jesus is our great high priest. Just as the high priest went before God on the day of atonement and offered a sacrifice for the sins of the people, Jesus offered himself, right? He went before God and and offered himself as a sacrifice. His blood was shed so that we could be forgiven. He is our great high priest. And he's not just a a continuation of that old line. He is the perfect high priest for us. Because the book of Hebrews goes to great length to demonstrate that Jesus was unlike the high priest that came before him. For example, in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26, 26 through 27, we see that this high priest, Jesus, was sinless. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, and set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. See, Jesus is our holy, blameless, pure high priest that we need. And he's also eternal, right? His his ministry... is is forever. And in Hebrews chapter seven, verses verse 21 uh, says that he, speaking of Jesus became a priest with an oath. When God said to him, the Lord has sworn and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, right? God's work through Christ on the cross was not temporary, right? It was not something that needed to be repeated. It was a once for all sacrifice for all time to remove sin from his people and the work is finished it's completed in hebrews chapter 9 verses 25 through 28 nor did he enter the heaven to o- enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way a high priest enters the most holy place year every year with blood that is not his own otherwise christ would have been would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And finally, he is exalted. It is through his death, through his sacrifice, that, that God is, is glorified, right? That, that Jesus is exalted. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1, so the, now the main point of what we're saying is this. What, we do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Right? Jesus is now, he, he offered himself up as a sacrifice, but he is now alive. He is resurrected and he is now seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And as we'll see, interceding for us constantly. Why do we share this? Why does the author of Hebrews, right, tie in this idea of approaching God's throne of grace and what I see as, as a picture for prayer to the ministry of Jesus as the high priest? Well, as I've been saying, the power of prayer is not in us, but it's in Him, right? Prayer is not based on, excuse me, prayer is based on His authority, right? Prayer is done in His name because Jesus is our great high priest, because He's removed our sin from us, that means we now have the privilege, we have the the right to go in His name and lift up our prayers to heaven. That's why we often pray in Jesus' name, right? We often end our prayers by saying we pray these things in, in His name or in Jesus' name, right? It's not just a, a formula to tack on to the end of prayer. It's a reminder that when we pray, we're not doing so because we've earned the right to pray ourselves, but because we pray according to Jesus' authority, according to his will and his character. Right? As our high priest, he now stands before God and it's in him and through him that we have access to God and prayer. And so he is our great high priest. In Hebrews chapter 4, we also see that he is now ascended, now seated at the right hand of God in glory. Now that's really important for us as we think about prayer, right? Jesus once told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse seven, he says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, imagine if you're one of his disciples hearing these words, how could it get better than having Jesus walking and talking with you, right? How could it get better than Jesus himself in the flesh and being able to sit down and have a meal with him and share a meal with him? Well, Jesus says it can get better because if Jesus goes to be with the Father, then he'll send his spirit to be with us. Right. He gives us his spirit. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Right. And and so instead of Jesus being in one place at one time where crowds had to gather to to hear him teach or to to experience his ministry. Right. We now have the spirit of God residing in us as believers. That's, I mean, that's pretty amazing if you think about it, right? We now have God, God's spirit residing in us. And that's, that's important for a lot of reasons. But when it comes to prayer, it means that we don't have to go somewhere to pray, right? We don't have to go to, to the sanctuary at first church to pray. We don't have to go to a temple in Jerusalem to pray. We don't have to go before a high priest to offer our sacrifices and prayers, Right, we can go directly to God because God is now residing in us as believers. Right, there's no greater access, there's no greater um, uh, uh, way to connect with God than His Spirit dwelling in us. And so, it is better that Jesus went uh, because He gave us a Spirit. But it also means that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. In Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-four. Paul, is, Paul offers this question. He says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. See, Christ Jesus who died, more than that was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Have you ever thought about that? That, that Jesus is, is right now in heaven in the throne room and he is, he is advocating for us before the Father. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1-2, through two, we see the same idea. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate, right? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus is now ascended and he is is in glory at the right hand of the Father. And we now, because of that, have the privilege to communicate directly with the creator and sustainer of the universe. Right, that's the kind of access that we have to God. Now think about what that what that would look like from a human perspective, right? Imagine that you are a you know a citizen of the United States and, and in your home you had a phone that you could pick up and it was a direct line to the Oval Office. Right, it was a direct line to the President of the United States, and any time you wanted, for any reason you could pick up that phone and talk to the President some of you may want to do that some of you may not you know that's up to you but but imagine having that sort of access to the president and being able to share your opinions and your thoughts with him and get get his advice in return i mean that would be unprecedented to have that sort of access to to one of the the world leaders but that's what the scripture says that's the kind of access we have God through Christ. We have a direct line to the Father through Jesus because because he is our high priest and is seated at the right hand of God. And I think that really expands our view of prayer. I think the reason our prayer life seems powerless at times, the reason why it seems so ineffective is because we have a low view of Christ. We don't see the beauty and majesty of the risen Christ. We don't see his glory revealed. In Exodus 33:18, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, he asked the Lord, show me your glory. And God responded uh, by, by telling Moses, he says, you can't, you can't see my glory. You can't see the full view of it. He says, instead, I will, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock, and, and I will allow my glory to pass by, and you'll be able to see just, just kind of the coattails as I pass by. And that's all Moses got. That was just a glimpse of God's glory. But now in Jesus that very same glory is revealed. Right? When we see Jesus, we see the glory of God. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 it says the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. I mean, think about that. Is your what is your view of Christ when you Take a moment to pray. Who do you who do you envision? Who do you picture you're talking to? We're talking. We have the privilege to talk to the Creator and sustainer of the universe. We have the privilege to to speak to the resurrected Christ. And I think all too often we take that for granted, right? We don't see that for what it truly is. He is ascended. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we have the privilege to speak with him. That's pretty amazing. Jesus is our high priest. He's ascended, but he also sympathizes with our weakness, with our humanity. And yet he did not sin. Right? This is important because, because on the one side, we can get such a big view of God, that we uh, it's such a big view of Jesus and in all of his glory that we forget that he is human just like us. And he can relate to our needs. He can relate to the things that we are going through. He sympathizes, it says here, with our weaknesses, yet he did not sin. Are you lonely? Right? Jesus understands that. His closest friends abandoned him in his greatest time of need. Are you hungry? Jesus once went 40 days without food in the wilderness. Are you out of work? Are you worried about your rent or your mortgage payment? Unsure of how you're going to pay your bills? Jesus was essentially homeless himself, utterly dependent on the generosity of others. He once told a disciple, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. Are you grief-stricken over the loss of a loved one? Jesus once wept beside the grave of his friend Lazarus. Are you heartbroken over the lost and concerned about the well-being of a loved one? Jesus once stood on a hill looking over Jerusalem and wept because they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus can empathize with the entire spectrum of human emotion because he experienced them for himself with the one key difference that he did not sin. He felt grief. He felt loss. He felt betrayal. He felt joy and friendship. He felt hunger and thirst and excitement. And he did it all without veering from the course that God had set before him. Wouldn't you want a friend like that? Right? Wouldn't you want to be able to talk to someone who has, who has walked down that same road as you and did it faithfully? Right? That's the kind of person that I'd want to know. That's the kind of person I'd seek advice from. When I was facing hardship, when I was, when I was in a situation and I didn't know where to turn, I'd want to talk to somebody who'd been there and done that before. Well, in Christ we have that. In Jesus we have someone who has empathized with our weaknesses. He experienced all of those things, but he did so faithfully, without veering from the course. That's the kind of person that Jesus was. That's the kind of person we can talk to. He is our great high priest. He is ascended. He is glorious. He is, he is reigning as King of Kings and Majesty. But he's also someone who can know and ex- know what you are experiencing right now. See, that's where the power of prayer resides, not in ourselves, but in the person and work of Christ. The question then is, how does that affect us? How does this power, how does the power of prayer then change our prayer life? Well, there's a few things we see here in Hebrews chapter four. First is that we can now have boldness. We can have confidence in approaching the throne of grace. You know, that that kind of boldness, that kind of confidence would be unheard of or impossible otherwise besides uh, besides the fact of what Christ has done for us. Someone once said, the only one who dares wake a king in the middle of the night and ask for a cup of water is a child. Right? Think about that. Think of, think of a person who was who was a, a criminal, an enemy of the state, a rebel. Right? They would not dare before go before a king and ask for anything. And that's exactly what we were in relationship to God before Christ interceded for us right we are we were in rebellion against god our sin had separated us from him but through christ through his act as the great high priest we are now children of god without our great high priest we would have no right to pray no access to god but now not only are we forgiven but we have been made children of god and we have a loving and gracious heavenly father who cares for us and so we can enter the throne room of grace. We can go before the King and ask for our needs to be met because of what Jesus has done for us. If you were to look at the at the New Testament and look at the Gospels and look at the Book of Acts, there's one uh, uh, I think defining characteristic that 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 changes in the lives of the disciples before uh, Christ's death and resurrection and afterwards, and that is their boldness. Right, The dis- very same disciples who were scared for their own lives, who ran away rather than associate themselves with Jesus, then turned and, and were so bold in preaching the Word of God that many of them were persecuted and thrown in jail and even martyred. Right? That, that what changed in them was their confidence, their boldness. And it was because of what Christ had done for them. And so we can have boldness in approaching God in prayer because of Jesus and in doing so we can find the grace and the mercy that we need in our time of need grace and mercy go hand in hand right? a simple definition of them is that grace is is receiving what we do not deserve right grace is a free gift it's it's getting what we didn't earn and mercy then is not getting what we do deserve right they go hand in hand grace is all about is all about receiving from the lord what we don't or couldn't earn, or couldn't deserve for ourselves. And mercy is not getting what we did deserve. There's one verse in Scripture I think perfectly encapsulates all of that. And that is, all of that. that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Speaking about how God has reconciled the world to himself, Paul says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now picture what's happening here in these verses, right? God made him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin, right? He was perfect. He was was sinless. But Jesus took our sin upon himself. He took what we deserved in our place. That's mercy, right? We don't get what we deserve. Because of our sin, we deserve death and separation from God forever. But Jesus took that upon himself in order that, we would become the righteousness of God. We would receive Christ's righteousness. That in Christ we are now forgiven, we are saved, we are made new, even though we didn't deserve it. And that's what we find when we approach God through Christ, is the grace and the mercy that we need in our time of need. And I think that phrase, time of need, is so important. It's God will meet our needs, not necessarily our wants. He may not always give us what we want, but He'll give us exactly what we need and when we need it. And the greatest need that we have is to experience the grace and mercy that can only be found in Christ. All right? And once you experience that grace and mercy, it transforms our heart. It changes our perspective. And we'll realize that maybe the things that we wanted weren't really all that important after all. And we'll realize that the things we need are Christ. Right, and a relationship with Him and to know Him. Psalm twenty four twenty chapter twenty, verse four says, May He give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Right? We take that verse at face value and we think, all right, we just we trust God and He'll give us whatever we want, right? He'll give us the desires of our heart. But I think after we experience the grace and mercy of Christ, the desires of our heart change. Your heart softens towards the things that God cares about. Your desires, excuse me, his desires become your desires. And in doing so, then Psalm 20 verse 4 is fulfilled. He grants us the desires of our heart because God always acts and moves according to his will in providing what we need. And so we find the boldness to approach God's throne and and as we do so, we find grace and mercy for us in our time of need. So as we close our our time here today, I want to end with a few points, and that's how we can then pray with this power. The power resides in Christ and not us. It gives us a a boldness to approach God in prayer. But then what does that mean? How do we actually pray that way? Well, there's three things I want to share with you. First is that our prayer should now be Scripture-informed, informed by the very Word of God. Right Prayer is our response to God's Word. If this is true about christ, if if the power of prayer resides in who Jesus is and what He's done for us, then we need to respond in prayer with Scripture being a part of that. right God's Word is him speaking to us. Scripture is him speaking to us, and prayer is our opportunity to respond to him. and that can be done really with any passage in Scripture. Sometimes we overcomplicate prayer, and we think it has to be done and with, with fancy words and King James' version kind of language, but but prayer can simply be taking a passage of scripture and turning it back and, and, and praying these very same words to God. For example, we can do that with with the passage that we've been studying here, Hebrews chapter four verses fourteen through sixteen. You know for example, we can we can take a look at this passage and, and pray something like this. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our great high priest, that you now sit at the right hand of God and, 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 and we can pray to you because not only are you ascended and glorified, but you also empathize with our weaknesses. You know what it is to be human. And so, Lord, help us, help me to, to navigate the situation I'm facing. Help me to live faithfully because you live faithfully for me. Lord, may you give me grace and mercy that I need in this time. Lord, help me to depend on your will and your power and not my own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, our prayer, and we can do that with, with really any passage of Scripture, whether that's Hebrews 4, John 3.16, Psalm 23. We can take God's Word and respond to Him in prayer by, by taking what we've learned and giving it back to Him. So our prayers can be Scripture-informed it also should be Spirit-informed. All right, we talked about how it's better that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God because He's given us His Spirit. And His Spirit is now with us, so that means we can pray no matter where we are. Whether you're sitting at home watching us on Facebook, whether you're driving in your car or listening to us on the radio, you can pray right there, right now, because God's Spirit resides within His people. In Romans chapter 8 verses 26 through 27, Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. See, when sometimes we don't know what to pray. We don't know what to say. And it's those times we need to depend on the Spirit of God living in us. God's Spirit dwells within our hearts. And so we can ask Him to help us. We can ask Him to help us to pray. And He will guide us and direct us. But it's all based on that relationship that we can have with Him that's only possible because of Christ and His Spirit residing in us. Our prayers need to be Scripture-informed and Spirit-informed. And finally, salvation-informed. We need to pray for God to meet our deepest need, which is to experience the grace and mercy of Christ. Right? It's okay to pray for healing. Right? Scripture commands us to do so, but first and foremost, we should pray for the spiritual needs of those around us. Right? We need. We should pray for people to be healed from COVID nineteen. Of course, we should. But we also need to pray for the hearts, for their hearts to be conformed excuse me, to be comforted by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would soften the hearts to be receptive to the message of the gospel and to the work of the Holy Spirit. Pray that attitudes and minds would be transformed. Right? That's what prayer you know should be about. The the heart of prayer should be that we respond to the grace and the mercy that we find in Christ. If he is our great high priest, if he is ascended and seated at the right hand of God, if he is interceding for us, then we need to be be willing to pray for the salvation of those around us. Pray that they too would experience grace and mercy. And so I encourage you to do that. Join us as as we participate in the National Day of Prayer. Take time each day to, to to lift your concerns before the Lord and in doing so ask God to to um ask God to work in the hearts in your own heart and in the hearts of those around you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you are gracious and that you are good. Help us, Lord, to find the grace and mercy we need at this time in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing, O oh, Come to the Altar.